it's okay. Life is not going to turn out the way you think it will. And that's probably a mercy more than anything. When you think about Greek life, Christian faith might be the absolute last thing that comes to mind. But we not only believe that it's possible to be Greek and Christian, but also that it's the best way to experience Greek life and grow your faith. We have real, honest conversations about how to approach Greek life from a Christian perspective, including things like recruiting and pledging, drinking and drugs, sex and dating, leadership and philanthropy, and much more. This podcast is by Greeks and for Greeks. Our hosts and guests are all members of fraternities and sororities who collectively have decades worth of experience living out their faith in Greek life. Welcome to the Greek and Christian Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Greek and Christian Podcast. I am your host, Allison. Um, and if you are just joining us, so I'm a PiFi alum. Um, I've been the host of this podcast for several seasons, and we are uh, at the start of a new season, or at the middle. So we're at the middle of this new season all about sex. So if you follow us on Instagram, you know that we asked for your thoughts on future seasons of the podcast. And overwhelmingly, you wanted a season on sex and relationships. So here we are. Um, And this week, we are talking about dating and single life. So many of your questions revolved around dating and being single in college. Uh, And maybe you're loving that single life right now. But maybe you're feeling discouraged uh, by the lack of romance in your life. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Uh, So this week, our guest literally wrote the book on singleness. And I'm super excited to welcome her now. Hey, Bridget. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to the Greek and Christian podcast. It's so nice to be here. Yeah. Yes. Bridget and I go back. We've known each other for a number of years. But I'm really excited to talk you up. Uh, So... All of our guests are pretty awesome, and I strive to help our audience understand how amazing our guests are. So can I be your hype woman for a minute? Absolutely. Oh, good. Glad. Glad Glad that you said yes. I, I don't know anybody who would turn down having a hype woman or hype man in <laughs> yeah, their life. Yeah, either. So Bridget G. is our guest. She went to school at the University of Arizona in Tucson. Um, and she came on staff with InterVarsity right after she graduated. So Bridget wasn't Greek in college, but she loves Greek students. So she led mm-hmm. numerous Bible studies for Greek students over the years at both Northern Arizona University and at her alma mater, the University of Arizona. Uh, so I love it. Her and I got to spend a lot of time together in circles of people working with Greek students and ministering to Greek students. Um, and currently, Bridget, you work for Study Abroad Ministries leading pilgrimages. Can you just like tell us in a sentence or two, what is a pilgrimage? Yeah, so pilgrimage is an ancient practice, not just in Christianity, but we offer these pilgrimage programs. We call them journey or journeys, you know, um, and right now we have one in Italy, one in Ireland and one in Spain where you just can connect to kind of like ancient Christianity, the stories of the saints and the land and your body. And so it's kind of like a different offering than just traveling around when you're studying abroad. And they were originally for students and still are, but they're basically open to anyone who's remotely connected to InterVarsity. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah. And what's the uh, pilgrimage that you just uh, went on with some students? 
Yeah. This summer we did our first ever Camino de Santiago global program. And so for three weeks, we walked 300 miles across Northern Spain and you just meet people from all over the world who are kind of all over the spiritual map, even Christians, Catholic, non-Christians. And you're like basically walking and having these really wonderful spiritual conversations the whole way. Oh, that's fantastic. So you all listening, if you are interested in doing something like this, uh, I really suggest you check it out. Bridget, where can students find more information about InterVarsity's pilgrimage program? Journey is what you called it, right? Yeah, Journeys. Um, I think that if you're, know, you know that you're going to be studying abroad in Europe in this next year, you can go to studyabroad.intervarsity.org. And then there's just all types of tabs. One thing you'd want to do is get in contact with an advisor so that they can just have a connection with you and connect you to a spiritual community where you're studying abroad. And then there is a tab that says European Journeys, and you can learn about all of them. Excellent. So I will put that link in our show notes, but so many uh, Greek students study abroad. And so I really encourage our listeners to look at uh, the study abroad resources and connections that InterVarsity offers. But hey, let's really dig into this topic at hand, singleness. And so I do want to say Bridget is an expert in singleness. So she, (laughs) I know, I don't know how you feel about uh, wearing that mantle. (laughs) I call it, I call myself an expert. That's what I thought. That's what I read in your book. So I love it. I always, always, yeah, laugh about it. (laughs) Yes. So you uh, host a podcast called Solidarity about singleness, and then you Mm. are a published author. So I'm really excited about her book. I was able to get an advanced copy of it. It's called Single Just Because. It's coming out in October, but I cannot recommend recommend it enough to our audience. Uh, Whether you're single or you're in a relationship, it is so helpful. Um, It's hilarious. So I found myself laughing out loud numerous times, Um, but it's also (laughs) like really heartfelt and hopeful. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I really feel like Bridget you, you feel like she sees you when you're reading it. She sees you and, and where you're at on your journey. So we will put that in the show notes as well. Maybe we'll do some kind of fun book giveaway in October Ooh, when it comes yeah. out. Um, so Bridget, as uh, the expert on singleness, uh, I would love to just start out with, uh, and I saw this on your Instagram stories. So I was like, oh, this is so funny and brilliant. Uh, what's the dumbest advice that you've received as someone who's single. Yeah. There's so much advice. And (laughs) I think I've also realized over the years that a lot of times this advice is coming from people who were hardly ever single for very long. Mm. And so um, I don't know if in their mind they're like, well, I did the thing. I became unsingle, you know? And so they feel really Like they have some advice, but I'm thinking, wow, the last time they were single, they were like 20, 21, like, and yeah, I'm just for your audience sake, you know, I'm 32 and been single for most of my adult life. And so, um, one of the things that people have said in my evangelical upbringing was like, if you stop wanting it, essentially, like if you don't want to be married um that's when it'll happen like kind of like when you finally find contentment 
is when you'll get your heart's deepest desire. And I really cross-referenced the Bible a lot for that, and I can't find it anywhere. (laughs) And, um, but I knew in, I knew in my heart when people were telling me that, that it was just, you know, BS because, um, I couldn't really believe that they had ever really found true contentment. And I found a lot of people and know a lot of people who got married and they never stopped wanting it. They never stopped thinking about it, you know? And, um, there are days where I don't want to be married, but it's just a couple of days of my life. And then the rest of it, I totally want it, you know? And as Allison knows, I spend a lot of time talking about like being okay with that desire and like accepting that it's totally normal. So that might be like obvious to some of you guys, but yeah, that that was probably one of the dumbest things people have said to me was like, once you stop wanting something, that's when you'll get it. And I'm like, where, where is that ever true? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So. I, I am one of those people who was not single for long. Um, and not, you know, planning to get married when I did, but that's how yeah. it happened with meeting my husband. So I got married, um, about a year after I graduated, but I do remember, I'm going to share some really bad advice as well. Not to me, but to a coworker, a male coworker who was single, I happened to be standing in a conversation and it really pissed me off. So we, mm. me and this male coworker, you know, on staff with InterVarsity at the University of Utah, we're at the activity fair meeting new students and we're lumped in with all the other Christian groups and churches, right? And so uh, there's this church who has a table across from us and one of the guys, he's single, he comes over to us and is just chatting, shooting the breeze. And he's like, Allison, you know, or no, let me start over. He says first to <laughs> my coworker, he's like, hey, you should come to our church. There's so many single, beautiful women there. And I'm just internally cringing. I'm like, oh, this is gross. Oh, Stop yeah. it. Um, and so, you know, my coworker's being super gracious, you know, kind. And then the guy turns to me from the church. He's like, Allison, wouldn't you agree that you're like, so much more of who God created you to be now that you're married and you know that like he has just done so much good work in you and I'm like I turned to him I was so mad I was just seething inside and I said Mm -hmm. to him like you know I would hope that God cares enough about me that he would still do just as much good work in me if I were single versus if I were married (laughs) I was so mad about that and so I think you raise a good point that there's just a lot of uh unhelpful you know maybe unhelpful at best and really damaging at worst the messages Mm -hmm. we receive about singleness uh inside and outside of the church Uh, I think God has something more for us which I think you explore in your book so let me stop talking and ask you, well, Bridget, what actually, your book is called Single Just Because. What motivated you to write it? Yeah, I think that even back in 2017, when I was essentially approached about writing a book, I really felt like, man, we need more positive content around singleness that isn't about what you were just saying, like waiting or preparing for a season of marriage, but just to really cheerlead and encourage people in their singleness. I want to say while they're single, because most people do end up getting married anyway at some point, but culture is shifting and changing. You know, in my adulthood, the age of first marriage has risen by years, which like before my adulthood, it would just be little 
inching months up, you know, that women and men would get married in their first marriages. And um, now it's like both toward the end of the 20s. I think even maybe for men, it is like 30 now. And so it's kind of funny because the longest, longer I've been single, the more people are also single with me in a way. And I think I'm talking like both Christian bubble that I've lived in, but also the like wider cultural phenomenon. What it came down to was that in 2020, I had come back from a sabbatical. Obviously, we were all in the pandemic and I moved back home to Tucson and my friends were kind of busy living their lives and I didn't know what to do. And um, part of it was some of my friends were busy with their new boyfriends that I'm like, how did you get a whole boyfriend during the pandemic? Like, I thought we weren't supposed to like touch each other, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) breathe the same air. Um, and then I, a lot of my friends were being really careful, you know, like because of COVID. And so I was sort of lonely, but just like contextually lonely, you know, it wasn't really like this deep sadness. It was just like, okay, well, I'll just wait out the season. And so, yeah, I started writing the book. You know, I say some of this stuff in my book, like the best thing I have to offer is me and my story. Just like the best thing you have to offer is yours and, and who you are. So that's what got me to do it. And I don't know. I just love talking about this stuff. So I'm like really honored to be here on this podcast too. Aww. Well, I want to start with one of our audience questions. So when we asked, you know, people to submit questions, one of the questions that came up a lot, and I, what I really love about your book is you kind of address this like right off the bat uh, in the book. But uh, one of our audience members asked, you know, what if I never find a partner and I'm single forever, you know, like there, I think that's a really common fear. I think that's probably a valid fear too. You know, I want to say that too. It's valid. And so what are your thoughts on that? Or what encouragement do you have for someone who's really grappling with that fear of, will I be single forever? Yeah. I think that I would encourage them to go down that, you know, rabbit trail in their heads, but have an imagination about it rather than let it be like looking at it through the lens of fear. I'm pretty futuristic in the way I deal with life. I just like love thinking about the future, planning for it, dreaming. And so for a long time when I was dreaming that like a single life would be really sad for me, um, I, yeah, it was like I, that's what made me sad about singleness in general. But in the last, even just few years of my life, being able to have a really wonderful, I call it in my book, holy imagination about the future where you just let God really help you dream for what like a single life could look like. And I think it's complicated because the reason you have fear about being single forever, it's outside of you. Like that's something that society will tell you. It has to do with theology and like the things you believe about yeah, like Allison's little story, marriage will make you better and holier. And that could, that should be true, <laughs> I think, in your best case scenario about marriage. But um, yeah, we're basically taught some of these false things about how marriage is, is the, um, you know, grass is greener on the other side. And it's not necessarily. And then also, I just want to like, this is my tiny bit of advice in that direction is, what are the things you think that a marriage would offer you that you can't have in you know, your singleness? 
And I would argue that probably the only thing that you can't have is sex, like maybe according to your sexual ethic. Um, but a lot of Christians be having sex and we know that <laughs> we know that. So I don't want to be like naive here thinking like you're not even getting sex because you're not married. But um, I address that in my book, too. <laughs> yes. 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 So, yeah. Yes. Well, and, and we are, we've been talking about that this season about a sexual ethic, but I really appreciate your candidness about that, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think we try to find these different things that we think will complete us, you know, having, being mm -hmm. married, having children, um, having the dream job or, you know, whatever that might be an experience that you're looking yep. for. Um, and I think that's the, yeah, I think that's something that we can easily get, get caught up in rather looking, okay, how, how is God completing me now in this, where yep. I'm at right now? Yep. And the, that when people ask me to sum up my book, the thing that I say often is that it's a book about who will I be if I don't get the one big thing that I want. And so you just fill in the blank. And, you know, Allison, you said you cried at the end of my book. And it's probably because you're resonating with the fact that, like, there is something that you've dealt with before of wanting something for a long time that you didn't maybe get at the time that you wanted it. And a lot of times I think we let that crumble our relationship with God rather than draw us nearer to him. And so that's like my desire is how do I help people also draw nearer to God in the midst of not getting what they think they want the most. And because life isn't, I mean, what a trap to think life is about getting the thing you want. <laughs> um, Cause it changes season to season anyway. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, I'm in right now. I'm a mother. I'm a new mother. Yeah. I think our podcast knows this. And that is the thing that, you know, I was like, God, will you provide this? Um, and really came to a moment. I mean, I resonated a lot with your book of turning that desire over because it wasn't happening when I thought it would. Yeah. And it felt like there wasn't hope that it would happen for me. And I did go down that rabbit trail of what would this mean about me, God, if I am never like, a biological mother. What would this mean yeah. about you? How would my life look? Um, and I do think it's important to do that. I think we don't face, sometimes we don't face those questions because we're afraid of the answer. We fear for the worst. And um, God brought me a lot of freedom uh, in that, that I would still be whole um, and complete as his daughter, even if I never became a mother, if that dream did not happen and that he would give me a beautiful and whole life, which is something your book talks about. But now as a mother, you know, when you get what you think you want and need, you know, and I don't feel any shame saying this, like it is hard. And there are many days yeah. where I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> I mean, I love my son. That doesn't what mean I don't I love my baby, but it's just, what yeah. did I do? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think they're, they're, Yes, you you long for these things. That longing and desire is good, um, but yeah, I think there's there's more to the story. And life is not all about, like you said, about getting the things that that you want. Um, yes. So I would love to hear though. What do you most love about being single, um, and how have you grown in your faith uh, while being single? Mm. Yeah. I think that, well, I am just, I think God worked it out the way he did for my book to come out this year because I know we just like 
barely touched on what my job is, but I get to lead these pilgrimages in Europe where I get to have a front row seat to people's spiritual walks. And I think one of the things that is helpful about being single for me is that I do think people get excited about hiring me or dreaming with me about where I could go and what I could do because I'm a free agent. And so I think there's something about that, that I've especially embraced this past year that I'm free to offer my time as a great resource. And I most recently, I feel like God had put it on my heart to use my home as a offering of like resource. So um, I'm really lucky and crazy as a millennial to have owned a house, you know, got to buy a house before the market got crazy. Um, but it's a three bedroom, two bathroom house. And so for the most part, I've had students and other staff workers and friends live with me. And then now in the season of traveling a lot, I felt like God was inviting me to offer my house as like affordable housing for refugees. So there's a refugee family that lives there right now. And I can like happily be like, I don't need my little castle (laughs) because it's too big for me kind of. And I can offer it to this family who, you know, it's a good stopping ground for them right now. And so, um, I think that's what I'm like really delighting in lately is that the offering I'm giving is like, I wouldn't be able to do it, I think. Um, but also like imagining my life as like married and possibly even a mom, you know, just a, that's a whole different universe, you know, alternate universe, Bridget, <laughs> but I wouldn't be able to give all of these things. So I think that's the the hardest thing for me about motherhood is that I feel like I don't have um, as much to give as I used to be able to. Yeah. So, but I, I love how you talk about um, what you can do as a single, the freedom that you do have, because I think sometimes mm-hmm. um, in relationships, dating and single life, a lot of the messages we can hear from the churches, this is what you can't do. Don't, don't, yeah. don't. Um, and I think that that is really stifling. I think that limits God um, and what he yeah. can do and what he offers to us in, you know, the, the capacity that we find ourselves, whether we are single, whether we're married or, or have children. Um, and so I appreciate you saying, talking about the opportunities that you have. Um, I was struck by this quote in your book. I'm going to read it. It says American Christianity in the early two thousands was so busy trying to get us not to have sex that it forgot to teach us about healthy dating. Leaders were Mm -hmm. so focused on a laundry list of sexual don'ts that they didn't teach us how to be friends with one one another, how to honor one another. I read that. I'm like, Holy shit. I'm going to swear. I do swear. You know, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. Freedom. Thank you. That's my favorite swear word. But I read that and I was like, that was me. And I think that's a lot of our experiences Mm -hmm. in church culture is that they're so afraid of, of us having sex that they don't teach us how to have healthy relationships, healthy cross-gender relationships. And I carried a Mm -hmm. huge fear with me of, having healthy relationships across genders through high school and college. And so um, for you, you, you've been in the dating scene. It's not like you're not dating. Um, You actually tell some really great stories about dating in your book. Um, What have you learned about God in the midst of dating? And and do you have any like tips, helpful tips about healthy dating and relationships? 
Yeah. Don't be petty. That's like, I, I think that often I hear stories from my students about ways that they just have this reflex toward dishonoring one another because they feel owed something um, in their dating exchanges, you know, their experiences. And they spur each other on so much to just like either cancel someone or, you know, ghost them or something like that, you know, or, or use each other even. Um, and when I hear them talk like this, it's a little bit like, you're not really treating that other person like a human. You're treating them like some, an object to give you something. And we're not. So that's, that's one of the things is like, if you haven't had this experience in your dating life, uh, that's more transactional where it's like, what can I get from this person? And, um, even how quickly can I get to a certain place with this person or something like that? Then I would just say like, slow down a lot. And how do you remember that this person is like, they have a story, they have lots of things to offer and you don't know if they have anything to offer you yet because they're not, they don't live for you. You know, that's like the, the fact of the matter. And I, I believe a lot in like compatibility and even timing when it comes to dating rather than like soulmates or something like that. My listeners of my podcast know that I've just been like soulmates don't exist. I actually think they exist in like friendship more. So, <laughs> um, I think like, the thing that I say in my book, because I was asked to write about dating, I actually didn't really want to because I'm like, I'm not talking about dating. I'm talking about singleness, you know, but dating is a reality of singleness. Um, not for everyone, but for a lot of people. Um, the thing I invite people to do is to honor and dignify one another. And so my question is just like in your dating experiences, are you honoring and dignifying this other person? Um, and are you being honored and dignified? And if not, like in the Christian context, that's what we should be doing anyway, you know? And I don't know. I know that around sex and dating, people don't often think like outside, outside of marriage, they don't think, how can God be at the center of this, even when you're kind of casually dating and stuff? But I figure if you you really pray to enter your dating life well, um, I went on a date a couple weeks ago with a guy who like thought I was a badass. Like he he just was like, you are so cool. And I remember, I'm remembering this in this moment is that when I was driving there, I just prayed that we would have like a fun time and that it would be good conversation and that we would feel like loved. And, um, and I meant like really by God and by each other in like a general way. And it did, I drove away feeling like, wow, that man knows my worth with having just met me. And I'm proud of him for that. <laughs> and he was awesome. He was cool. Um, I'm not sure where he's at spiritually really. So that's why I don't have some fun love story to share, but like you should have fun dating experiences that don't feel like transactional, you know, other than like adding to that person's worth and value in a like really wholesome way. Um, and I'm just afraid that we don't even know how to do that because we enter it with some goals in mind. And I think that we should start with just the goal of honoring and dignifying the other person. 
I really love that, the goal of honoring and dignifying, because you're right. I think we approach so many of our relationships in life, friendship, romantic relationship, work relationships with this transactional mindset. Uh, well, Bridget, I'd love to hear from you. <clears throat> Just any final thoughts, advice, encouragement, uh Anything that you have that you want our listeners to hear about singleness? Man, this is always like the hard part because yes. that's why you write a whole you write a whole book about it because there's lots of things to say. But I think that practicing presence, being present where you're at, it's been a big struggle for me to be honest. I've heard this too from a lot of single people throughout the years that I really look up to that their best advice is to be present. And I know that in college, it's, it's really easy not to be present because you're just really busy trying to f like figure out, finish your assignments, figure out what you're going to do with the future. And all the time I say to my students, rarely do you end up doing what you think you were going to do once you hit 22 and graduate. And the same applies just to like life circumstances. Like rarely does life turn out. I know one guy, one guy I met freshman year in the dorm who told me what he was going to do and then did it. And I was like, even when he told me that, I was like, okay. And then he did it. And I was like, dang, but he's the exception. <laughs> I think, yeah. And I, I think it's a mixture of that things don't work out the way you think they will or want them to, but then you change, mm -hmm. you learn who you are. And you learn that you maybe want different things or like pilgrimage. It's not something that I thought was going to be a part of my life or my discipleship. And God just had his own thing worked out for me mm. in the ways that I said yes and took risks. And then he led me on a pilgrimage <laughs> into this position, into this time. And so with your singleness, like, Maybe I am just still addressing that first question of fear of people being mm. single forever. Um, is that like, it's okay. Life is not going to turn out the way you think it will. And that's probably a mercy more than anything. Mm. That mm -hmm. like when you're in a relationship with God, he's always working things out for your good. And like, I really do believe that even in the midst of really hard things happening in life. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you. And then I also want to say like, take risks because if you do want to find love, like then freaking ask that girl out or <laughs> um, women, you can shoot your shot. Like it's okay. You know? And if they don't want to be with you, it's also okay. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> mm -hmm. it doesn't, it actually doesn't say anything about you. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think sometimes we also let our fear cripple us from some really wonderful friendships and relationships and experiences. Yes. Oh, that's so great. I'm just sitting here like, yes, 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 yes. And I just, I, I hope our listeners hear that you have a amazing opportunity right now. What Bridget said about practicing presence, you know, and I'm saying mm -hmm. that to myself in this season of motherhood, when I feel so much more restricted than I did, I have an amazing opportunity from the Lord right now, mm -hmm. you know, and when we wish mm -hmm. those seasons, when we wish where we're at away, we miss out. We miss out on the goodness and beauty that God wants to give us. And then again, I'll put in the show notes uh, all of where you can find Bridget, where you can find her book, um, and where you can learn more about study abroad ministries and journeys. Uh, and 
Okay, to our audience, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the podcast. We are going to have an episode on marriage and dating, so we will talk a bit more um, about dating in a future episode. So if this sparked questions for you, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Send us a message on Instagram at GreekIV. Um, drop us an email, greek at innervarsity.org with your questions, um, because we do want to have the conversations that you want to hear on the podcast. So thanks again for joining us. The Greek and Christian Podcast is produced by Greek InterVarsity, a nonprofit college ministry for fraternity and sorority students. Our ultimate vision is to see every fraternity and sorority connected to a community of Greek Christians so that every Greek is just one friend away from knowing and following Jesus. To learn more, find a community on campus, or partner with us, visit greek.innervarsity.org.